When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Charlie. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you once again by our great friends at Alumni Hall. Mother's Day, guys. I told you earlier this week. Now it is even closer. It's just around the corner. So make sure you submit your spot as the best son or the best daughter in town by picking your mother up the best gift a guy or gal can ever buy their mom at Alumni Hall. You can shop in-store inside the Epsom Shopping Center here in the Classic City or online if that's easier for you from the comfort of your own home. Go to alumnihall.com to get your mother the perfect Georgia Bulldogs Mother Day gift because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldogs shop. All right, guys, I am your host, Tyler. You know that. But back with me today, making her monthly, I guess, off-season appearance is my co-host Charlie, the star of the podcast, is once again back on the show today. Charlie, Charlie, it's been a minute, so you gotta fill us in. What have you been up to these days? While you know I've been hard at work here pumping out content for all of our fine listeners, I would love to know exactly where you have been and what you've been up to. Just hanging around. Oh, so you've been hanging around? I've just been pulling all the weight. Yeah, it's your podcast. It's not my podcast. It's our podcast. No, I'm just filler. I I don't think that's the case. Is that how you view yourself? I mean, yeah, I'm okay with it. Okay, as long as, I guess, as long as you're okay with that. Well, I got to ask you, I know the, the weather's, uh, it's getting much nicer. Well, today was pretty cold, but the weather's been nice lately. How's the tennis game? Have you been out there on the courts? Yes, I've been playing a lot. Well, I mean, uh, do you want to tell everyone about the match you had last Sunday? Do you want to get dive into that real quick? Oh, yeah, I lost 6-4. I'm okay with that because I beat you earlier 6-2. Okay, okay, that doesn't count. Was it two weeks? Yes, you did beat me 6-2 a couple of weeks ago, but that was my first match back. Still count. First off, these aren't matches. These were single sets. I got to work myself back into like... Yeah, you can't even I'm play a whole match. No, it's not that. It's my back. You know, I got to work back. You know, I, I can. You were the one that didn't want to. No, I was ready on Sunday. I was ready. No, I was... I was rolling. But now I'm back in my rhythm, and now, yeah, 6-4, let's go. But no, guys, by the way, Charlie is significantly better than me at tennis. Wouldn't you agree, Charlie? Yes, definitely. Yes, yes. Charlie is much better at me. I got lucky last weekend. But hey, when you get lucky, you got to let people know. But uh, Charlie, speaking of tennis, before we get into all of our football talk, which, guys, I promise you is coming here in just a minute, we got a bunch of mailbag questions to get to coming out of spring practice. Got a great batch of questions today. But real quickly here, Charlie, I was, I'm was i an idiot, and um, I just neglected to give them the love they deserved on the episode earlier this week. But, Charlie, how about them Georgia women's tennis dogs winning the SEC tournament champion, taking down Number two, Texas A&M had only lost one match all season, did that Sunday in Fayetteville in the SEC Championship Tournament. So uh, how about them dogs? It was a great match. Good to watch. Glad Meg got the clinch in her last final season. Hate to see Leah get hurt. Hopefully that's not a long-term injury and something that will heal quickly. Are you pumped for the NCAA Tournament? Because this is going to be here in Athens, not this weekend, but next weekend. 
Yep. Hopefully the weather is nice. Otherwise we're screwed. Well, define nice. Cause usually about that time of year, I mean, I, I remember vividly many times sitting out there for these insulated tournament matches inside the Damon Guild tennis complex. And it's like, it feels like 97 degrees. Like, is that nice weather to you? I mean, ideally we would like it to be like 72 and even cloudy would be great. I mean, I, I could be down with that. Yeah, absolutely. But guys, we'll talk a lot more about Georgia tennis. But just wanted to make sure to give the ladies a little bit of love because uh, I completely dropped the ball on that earlier in the week. But a big-time win, a massive win against the number two team in the country. And that catapulted us all the way up to number three. We were at number four, but we jumped up to number three, which is actually kind of big because North Carolina is freaking awesome. Um, they have like four or five players inside the top 30 in singles. They're very, very, very good. They've lost one match all year. Actually, the first match they lost was the ACC Tournament Championship to NC State in the, in the finals of that tournament. So they, but they're really good. If you're the four seed, then you have to play North Carolina in the semifinals. And like, you know, you don't want to like run from anybody, but... When you're talking about a team as good and talented and as deep as North Carolina is, you want to try to avoid having to play them as long as you possibly can. Maybe hopefully somebody will knock them out before you get to them. So if we are the if we stick as the three seed, which I think we probably will, that means we would only play North Carolina in the uh, in the finals if we get that far. So very exciting stuff. The guys fell short. Man, it was so close. God, man, we had we had multiple match points there. We were up three two, and basically there were two matches that went to tie breaks. All right, one match went to tie break. One that was about to go to tie break, but then. We were serving us into a tie break and we got broken. Um, but both those matches, we were up, I think five four, and both of them and serving for the serving for the set or serving for the match. And we seen one of those matches and we would have won the match. But uh, give Kentucky credit, they um, they dug deep and they found a way to fight off those match points and uh, they pulled out a victory four three. And so we made it to the finals. Um, didn't pull it out, but hey, we were undefeated in the SEC, in the SEC in the regular season. Won the SEC. Regular season title, which to me is always far more impressive because that's over the course of the entire season rather than just getting hot for a couple of days. But um, that, yeah, that was disappointing. But look, this team is still very, very much a national championship contender, just like the women's tennis team is, is as well. So a lot of great postseason tennis coming up here over the next couple of weeks, which we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But Charlie, we got a ton of questions to get to. In fact, guys, we're going we're gonna to have to break this down into at least two different mailbag shows. We'll do one today, one next week, maybe three, depending on how many more questions come in. I think we might be able to break it into three. I uh, just want to make sure we get to every question that's sent in, guys. That, that's our goal here. We haven't done a mailbag episode in a while because we were busy covering spring practice, but now we're back at it. And we're going to certainly try to make these a more regular occurrence here on the show like we usually do during the offseason. We'll try to get this in, you know, at least once a month, maybe even, you know, once every couple of weeks. So we'll definitely get more um, questions answered for you guys. So send them in, guys. Anytime you got a question, you can send us to send them to us on Twitter at glory underscore UGA. DM us, tweet us, whatever works for you. Also, um, email is, is very easy. Easy as well, and that's just glory UGA podcast at gmail.com. But all right, Charlie, enough of all of that. Let's dive into the mailbag today. Where are we going to kick things off? We're going to start with Terrence's question. He wants to know what you make of all the criticism about the football schedule for this coming season. He's personally tired of hearing everyone whine about it. Uh, personally, I would say I'm not whining about it. But when you have this schedule, it's kind of, it's not exactly thrilling when you spend all of that money on season tickets. It's nice to go. You've won two national championships. You have Tennessee Martin, Ball State, UAB. Murderer's Row, Charlie. You know, it's just, yeah, it's not, it's not great. We do have seven home games this year, Charlie. Great. (laughs) And those (laughs) games include UAB, Ball State, and Tennessee Martin. Exactly. I I get where you're coming from. Um, so Charlie, let me let me ask you this. So we were, as you remember, scheduled to go to Norman, Oklahoma, to take on the Sooners this year, right? SEC forced us to cancel that series, which is a pain in the ass, and that's really what the issue is with our schedule right now. So, would you rather go to Norman, Oklahoma, as opposed to stay here and then comfort? Oh, well, I guess you'd go to the game and then be able to come right back home. To your comfortable home here in the in the classic city? That does not excite me either. Going to Norman? No. Uh, I I would love to go to Norman. I haven't been to Norman for a football game. Um, I, I'm under no illusions. Norman, Oklahoma is not an oasis of, of a town. I get that. But, you know, some of these little small towns come alive for a college football, season, for a college football game because it's, um, you know, it's a big deal in these places. I like going. So I would have loved to have gone there. I'm not going to BS you on this, guys. Uh, the schedule 
is not super strong on the surface. I think that's that's the certainly the case here. But that could change. You know, how many times have you looked at a team's schedule, our schedule, other team's schedule in the preseason and said, oh man, like it's a cakewalk into the championship. And it doesn't exactly work out that way because, you know, we always think we know how good all these teams on your schedule are going to be, but we don't really know how good all those teams are going to be. So maybe, you know, Kentucky's really good or Ole Miss ends up being really good. Maybe Spencer Sanders comes in, takes that job and like, he elevates that program to a different level. Who knows? Like people thought Tennessee was going to be good last year. Very few people were predicting them to be number one in the college football playoffs. You didn't see that coming. You know, in the I think pretty sure it was the first one, right? The first college football playoff rankings last year. So you don't always know. But like what we based off what we know now, looking on the surface, there's no Alabama, there's no LSU, right? So on the surface, it's not that strong. We have our only non-con game is Georgia Tech. We don't have OU. Yeah, as you said, Charlie, Tennessee, Martin, UAB. Those games don't exactly get the juices flowing. I mean, I, I think we can admit that. So no, I'm not going to sit here and tell you the straight face that, oh yeah, our schedule, like it, it's, it's incredibly strong. Like what are people talking about? No, I'm not going to do that because that would be disingenuous. So I don't have a problem. I really don't. I don't have a problem with people looking at our schedule and pointing out that, yeah, you know, Georgia has a really clear path back to the college football playoff. I have no problem with people doing that because I think that's probably true, right? What I have a problem with is when people take it to the next step and they start criticizing us for the fact that we have a much clearer path to the playoff than some other teams do that some other teams do as though we are like some rogue program who is bending the schedule to our favor and they're using this year's schedule guys this is what they're doing rival fan bases this is exactly what they're doing they're using our schedule this year to discount the success that we have had over the past several years as though it was nothing more than just a product of some cowardly scheduling that's that's all it is like that's the only reason we won national titles a couple of things here let me respond to that all right first off as you guys know I'm a big context guy context matters. All of those people who want to scream bloody murder about our schedule being a joke, which I understand, like I get the fact that it's not a great, it's not a very difficult schedule. I, I, I acknowledge that. But what they conveniently fail to mention when they're bashing us for not scheduling a more difficult schedule, they've conveniently failed to mention that, oh yeah, as we talked about earlier, we had Oklahoma scheduled this year. That's not our fault that the SEC decided to add Oklahoma to the SEC and then came back and said, you know what, Georgia, you're going to have to cancel this series. You can't play them this year. That is not our fault. I get rival fan bases don't care about context as it, it gets in the way of a good old narrative. I understand that. This is what they do, whatever. But I can also push back on it. And there are also those people out there who maintain, like, when you say, oh yeah, by the way, let me remind you the context here, Oklahoma was on our schedule, and we were forced to cancel them against our will, we then traveled across the country, we called everybody in the country and said, hey, can we can we get a game, can we get a Power 5 game, and at that late stage in the process, all these teams are booked up, okay, you know, and we, we will actually even entertain the idea, we were looking to try to make it like a, a one-off game, like a neutral site game, but Oklahoma couldn't do that because they already have a neutral site game with Texas, and that would only leave them with five home games, this game was scheduled to be in Norman, so they were the ones that balked at that, we tried guys, we absolutely tried, trust me on that, I had that on very good authority, but when you bring that up, like, hey, we had Oklahoma scheduled, what, the response to that is, is that, oh, well, that's just not true. Like, you're just making that up. Like, the SEC didn't make you care. Like, it's like, dude, do a little research. Like, just do the, like, the smallest bit of research. Well, th that can't be true, because why would the SEC let Alabama play Texas this year? Um, um, Because Alabama and Texas started their series last year, and this would be the culmination of that series. If we played Oklahoma this year, they would not ever be able to make the return trip as a non-conference opponent, because they weren't scheduled to make that return that return trip until, until I think, like, what, 2031? Something like that? That is why we were forced to cancel the series. The series would not be complete prior to Oklahoma joining the league. I still think it sucks. I, I don't care if they gave us a return trip. It doesn't matter to me. Go ahead and go play them. I would have rather done that than have UT Martin or I guess it was Ball State that we replaced them with. I would rather do that than have Ball State come to town, but no one cares what I think. It's whatever. And another thing about all those people who are criticizing our schedule, all those idiots out there, I get, yes, that our schedule this year isn't particularly great. It's not a murderer's row. I understand all that, as I said a couple of times. This is an isolated case. Who did we play last year? We played Oregon, almost won the Pac-12. I think they were still might have been the best team in the Pac-12. Bo Nix got banged up late in the year. Who did we play the year before? Oh yeah, we played Clemson, right? 
Look at our future schedule. Next year, we're playing Clemson. 2025, UCLA. 2026, UCLA and Louisville. And oh, by the way, guys, we always play Georgia Tech. I know they're not great. I think they might be a little better under Brent Key, though. But we have three Power 5 games, non-conference games, in 2026. And if we go to a nine-game conference schedule, which I'm pretty sure we're going to do right now, if we go to a nine-game conference schedule starting in 2024, when we have UCLA, Louisville, and Georgia Tech all in non-conference, that means we will have every single game be a Power 5 game. We're playing Power 5 opponents in every single regular season game. 2027, same thing. FSU in Louisville. 2028, FSU. 2029, at Clemson. 2030, Clemson, Ohio State, and Georgia Tech. So, let's not act like Georgia is afraid to schedule. That is ridiculous. In fact, I would I would say we are scheduling if not as difficult schedules as anyone else in the country, more difficult than most teams in the country moving forward. It's like, I know Tennessee wants to bang their chest. Like, oh, we, we play a Power 5 non-con team every year. Um, that's because you don't have an in-state non-conference rival you have to play every year. We do. When we schedule out-of-conference out of opponents like this, like Clemson and Oregon and UCLA and Florida State, that's in addition to playing Georgia Tech every year. So I would argue on a year-in, year-out basis, on an annual basis, we play more difficult schedules than just about every single one of our rivals. I know Tennessee has to play Alabama, but like... That's that's their thing. But here's the kicker. Here is what gets me more than anything. All these rival fan bases who are bashing us for our quote-unquote weak schedule, they are too dense to realize they are actually bashing themselves in the process. Think about it, guys. Use our brains here. Why is our schedule quote-unquote weak? Because all you dumbasses are on it. Stop holding us responsible for the fact that you suck. You are the ones not holding up your end of the bargain. That's on you. That ain't on us. So, all right, let me get off my soapbox here, Charlie. I had to get, off, get that off my chest. I know it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things what other fan bases say. I know, but I can't help it. I'm a Georgia guy. It gets under my skin sometimes. And I have this podcast, so I got to come on here and rant every now and then. All right. Thank you for that very long. I'm sorry, Charlie. That's been building up for... A, a month or two at this point, and it just I'd had to come say, out. I'd say, but time to move on? Time Absolutely. to move on. Okay. Our next question comes from William. He said he knows Kirby Smart says that we play against the best team in the country on a daily basis. However, William's concerned about the lack of a challenge in the schedule. So what do you think the consequences will be with the current schedule? How much stock do you put into that, Charlie? Uh, I mean, personally, I don't really have that big of a concern. Kirby Smart seems to be kind of like the master of motivation and getting young adults to tap into their intrinsic motivation and drive to be successful i don't know it'll give the backups a chance to practice and play there there's sure. always that i mean i'm with you charlie if here's my response this way i think it's a good question i think it's a very fair question another schedule question here with any normal run-of-the-mill coach i would say yes there's a reason to worry it's certainly fair to worry but Kirby Smart, as Charlie's alluding to here, is not a normal coach. Like we can say that now, right, guys? Like, come on, he's he's not your run-of-the-mill average coach. Like he's he's different, right? He's built differently. Kirby is going to demand the same level of commitment, the same level of focus as he always does. Whether you're playing Clemson, whether you're playing uh, Oregon, or whether you're playing UT Martin, I mean, like the standard is a very real thing within our program, guys. And I'm not saying that we always play to that standard. You know, obviously glaring glaring. Uh, game from last season would be the Missouri game, but more often than not, we do tend to play to that standard. I'm not going to sit here and act like our team is going to be on fire when we come out and play UT Martin, as opposed to like we played Oregon last year. Yeah, we were probably a little more motivated to play that game, but I, I also think this, so I again, going back to the, the, the strength of our schedule, I, I, I admit that it's not the strongest schedule in the world right now on paper. But I do believe people are discounting some of the games on our schedule. I think we have some potential pitfalls. I think Kentucky is going to be pretty damn good this year. I'm, I'm really high on them. I'm much higher on them this year than I was last year. People were, Most people were pretty high on them coming last year. I wasn't nearly as high, and I think I was close to being right there. This year, I'm, I'm much more of a, of a believer in Kentucky and what they're going to be able to put out there. They were young in some key spots, especially receiver last year. I think Devin Leary could end up being better, at least a better college quarterback than Will Levis. We'll see there. Get, get Liam Cohen back. Uh, I think it could be a tricky game. It's at home, so that helps. 
At Tennessee is going to be a tough game. I mean, it is, guys. We're better than Tennessee. We're more talented than Tennessee. It'll be a tough environment. I'm not scared of it. We've been there. We've done that. It was a tough environment back in 2021, and we passed that test with flying colors. Is Tennessee going to be better this year? Probably better than they were in 2021. I'm not convinced they'll be better than they were last year. We'll talk more about that as the season progresses. But uh, Ole Miss is another team. I know we get that game at home. That's a team that's intriguing. Um, we know what kind of offense they can run and what what Lane Kiffin brings to the table there. And Lane and, and Kirby are buddies, so it's kind of an intriguing matchup there. But there's a couple of games I think could end up being more difficult than people would expect them to be right now. So there's that. But here's at the end of the day, here's my take on this, William. Our schedule really wasn't all that different last year, was it? I mean, yes, the only difference was we played Oregon, right? We played Oregon to start the season, but we didn't play Alabama in the regular season. We didn't play LSU in the regular season. We didn't play those teams in the regular season. So was beating Oregon by 46 points like we did in week one last year, was that really the difference between us winning a national championship and or not? Like, would we really have been less prepared to play the rest of our schedule and win the title if we had not played Oregon? Like, if you substitute UT Martin in for Oregon last year, does that mean that the 2022 Georgia football team was just not going to be prepared to play the rest of their schedule? I and mean, we beat Oregon by 46 points. We had the backups in like less than halfway through the third quarter. So I think it's it's good if you can do it to have like a game that you're shooting to that, that kind of motivates your team to get prepared for week one. Like it, it certainly adds some excitement to the fan base, certainly within the program. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to dispute that. But I also don't think that means that you're not going to be prepared to play the tougher teams on your schedule. I just don't necessarily believe that. But, I mean, I could be wrong. Um, maybe that, that'll be one of those things that ends up biting us this year. I just, right now, looking ahead, I don't, I don't see as much of an issue because, number one, I'm a big believer in Kirby Smart. And number two, we have a bunch of veterans on our team that have been there and done that. Like, they're going to be ready to play, whether it's Oregon, whether it's UT Martin, whether it's South Carolina in week three. I think we'll be fine. That's just me. That's just me on that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right. Well, Stephen wants to know if you had to pick three standouts, two or three standouts from spring practice, who helped themselves the most, who would you pick? That's a great question. I had to limit this to two or three. Yikes. Okay. Um. All right. Top of my list, I'm going to go Dominic Lovett. Because I was hearing things about him like day one, essentially, before they even put on pads and that never really abated. He was just a constant theme when I was getting feedback from people that, hey, this guy is unstoppable. Like no one can cover him. When you talk about the Georgia defense having troubles covering this guy, that that's intriguing to me. So I think he's going to, that on top of what I've already knew of him coming into Georgia when he was at Missouri, that has me very excited. I think he's positioned himself to have a really, really big year for us and be a massive part of our offense. Branson Robinson, uh, I think, is another guy who really benefited from this spring. I hate how it went down with Kendall Milton going out for the spring early on in the process, but what that did is it allowed Branson Robinson to get a ton of reps. And when you're young, what's the best way to, to make that jump? Get reps and practice. So he got all those reps, 
and I think he has positioned himself to have one hell of a year as well. I'm not ready to say he's going to be like the starting running back. I think Kendall will probably get that nod because he's a senior. He's the leader. He's been around for a while. But I think Brent Branson will probably get more touches than any of our sing- than any other single running back. And I think he's going to have a massive year for us. I think he is. He's legit. I think he's the real deal. Defensively, let's go to that side of the ball. I thought about Tyke Smith here, but we kind of knew about Tyke Smith. He certainly helped himself in that he's, I think, locked down his starting spot at the star position. But I'm going to go Xavier Sori because this is a guy that was not even in the rotation last year. He started last season as a guy that came in in our dime package, but he eventually lost that job about midway through the year to Jalen Walker, and then he just didn't really see the field outside of special teams. And he's a guy that I started to hear a good bit about about halfway through spring practice. You know, early on, it was the freshman linebackers. But then Xavier Sori started to be a name I started to hear pretty consistently. And you see Majide with Smile Mondin out for, out for the game. Who gets a start? Xavier Sori. I thought he looked really good, guys. This is a guy that I've been high on for a while. You've, you've heard me say that. Coming out of high school, I thought he was a great athlete. Could be a really productive player for us. It was just a matter of, like, finding the right position for him. Was it going to be edge? Was it going to be inside linebacker? And ultimately he landed in at inside linebacker, but he was always going to take some time to develop at that position because that's not what he did in, in high school. Now he's been in the program for three years, and this is a guy that took some strides, took a lot of strides during the spring. And he right now, and I'll, there's still a lot to be decided, but right now he has positioned himself to firmly be a part of our inside linebacker rotation, probably play a, a very good amount for us this year. And then here's a bonus one, Charlie. Lawson Lucky, you guys know, you heard us talk about him all spring long. I still, I'm gonna say, we know that Brock Bowers is tied in one. This is this is something we know. Oscar Dupp, I'm still going to say, is, is number two. But I think Lawson Lucky put himself in position going to fall camp to Try to change that. He's nipping on his heels. He's going to play regardless. I still say Oscar's number two. I'm really high on Oscar, but but Lucky just had a heck of a spring, guys. And whether it was blocking, whether it was pass catching, it was the way that he took coaching, the way that he worked, the way he approaches practice and in, in, in his job. Really, that's what it is. It's a job. All of that. It, that's that's what coaches love. And they, and our, I know I can tell you guys, our coaches love him. And um, I think he has a lot of Brock Bowers qualities, not even just like on the field, but just like the way he works, work ethic, habits, all those things. And I think that's going to allow him to play a fair amount, a good amount for us as a true freshman at tight end. All right. Jerry wants to know the biggest surprise for you coming out of spring practice. Well, there there are a couple. I don't want to say there are a ton. I think I've talked about this before, but the the biggest thing that surprised me was Javon Bullard moving from star to safety. Now, I anticipated Javon getting some snaps at safety, getting some reps there as a guy who's in a cross-train. As we do that, we cross-train, especially as they get older and they've mastered one position, we start to cross-train them in case guys get injured. You want your best lineup out there on the field. You get your best players, and that's one way you can do that. I did not anticipate him essentially opening the spring just working at safety, like being a safety and being that guy. I thought he was so good at star last year that it'd be really, really difficult to move him from that position, which is a very critical position in our defense, as we've talked about this spring. But got to give Tyke Smith credit. Tyke Smith showed the coaches that he is ready to take on that role and that he deserves some playing time. And with with Tyke being ready at that point, kind of emerging there, that allows us to play Javon at, at safety. I'm coming around more and more to it. I think Javon can be a great safety. I really do. It's just, again, it's hard for me to take him away from that star position when he was a difference maker at that spot. But our coaches know far more than I do. They see these guys in practice. And maybe Ty Key can be a difference maker at star. I'm certainly open to that as well. So that was probably the biggest surprise for me. Sticking the secondary, another surprise uh, would, would be Dalen Everett. Um, I assumed, and this is just me being an idiot, I assumed that he was going to lock down that starting cornerback spot opposite Kamari Lassiter with Keely Ringo moving on. And that's because Dalen was the guy that came in. He was the first cornerback off the bench for us last year. I really love the talent. I think he's got the size. I think he's got the physicality. I think he's got the speed, the hips, all those things it takes to be a really good cornerback. So I, I and that's my fault, just assuming that. But Kirby's you know, all about competition. We know that. Our program is built on competition. So guys like Nyland Green and Julio Humphrey, they were not going to back down from this fight. And they also made some moves themselves. And I was surprised to see a guy like Julio Humphrey make the kind of move he did to the point that he was getting work with the first team defense to open G day. You know, he didn't start there, but he was in, he was in the next series. So that was, that was somewhat of a surprise to me. I guess if there's a third one, Austin Blasky, which we talked about before 
first off, him just playing left tackle and then him playing left tackle well enough to fight for the starting job against Ernest Green, who I, who's a guy that I'm very high on at that position. I think he's a future NFL guy. And I think Austin Blasky has definitely, at the very least, worked himself into a rotation at tackle if he doesn't start. So a couple surprises there, but I would, I would go with Javon Bullard playing safety. And essentially, it seems like right now that he's locked that spot down. And, and this battle will go on. But Javon's going to start somewhere, whether it's safety or star. And it seems like, if you based off what we saw during the spring, he's going to play safety. And I find that surprising based on how dominant he was at the star position last year. All right. We only have a few questions left. Three. Uh, Philip wants to know, are there any potential departures to the transfer portal that we should brace for? And I'm going to add, will they be as um, entertaining as Bear Alexander's exit from the program? What did you make of Bear in the way he left the program? I mean, you said it on Twitter. Like, that's going to come back to bite him later. Yeah, From lots of different people and angles. All over the place. Yeah, he's a talented guy. I'm not going to take away his talent. He's a really talented football player. But does that make you um, feel like it's less of a loss when you see him say the kind of things about himself that you saw on social media? Yes. I think that a lot of times um, that could create a more challenging environment on a team. Um, and toxic, create, I'll say it. I was yeah. going to say create some toxicity that um, will create... Uh, different groups in the locker room, let's say. And Charlie, I'm totally with you on that. And a big part of our success, I think a very underrated part of our success, I think us in the Georgia fan base, you guys who follow this as closely as you do, you know what we're talking about. Our culture behind the scenes is is a massive part of our success. What Kirby has built from a culture standpoint is massive to what we're able to do. That doesn't happen by accident. There's a lot of teams that have talent, but they don't win back-to-back national titles. And I think our culture is what's really kind of separated us from those other really talented teams out there. And if you allow guys like Bear Alexander to stick into your program, guys like Britton Cox too, by the way, that culture can start to erode over time. And I'm not going to sit here and say Bear Alexander is a bad guy. I just don't think he's built the Georgia way. I don't think that he is the kind of guy that that fits in our program. Sometimes it's just a fit thing. You know, maybe it fits somewhere else. Out in LA where it's all about self-promotion, like, okay, cool. Like that that's a fit for you. Go to USC. So um I'm I, I would love to have the talent, but I also don't want the headache. You know what I mean? So I'm okay with it. And we 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 recruit so well. I'm really excited a guy like Christian Miller had a really big spring for himself. He's another guy you could say that made a big jump this spring and kind of stood out. Um, I'm really excited about him. I was really high on him coming out of high school and, this, and he needed a year to kind of get the system down and learn how to play the position at, at the college level. But he is more explosive than Bear. Not the same body type, not as big, but I think he'd be a big time player for us. But so anyway, uh, other portal departures. Here's the thing, Charlie. We have until Sunday. The portal will close again Sunday night. I have been waiting for a couple guys to hit. In fact, I shouldn't say waiting. I don't want them to hit. I have been told, I was told like Sunday after G-Day, there are a couple of names to watch. I don't want, I hate to even say that and not put it out there, but I'm going to have to guys. I, I don't want to put those names out there in case they don't actually hit the portal. I don't think it's fair to them, and I don't want to start that narrative or anything like that. But there were a couple of guys that, are I'll say this, they were contending for starting jobs, and I think are still in contention for starting jobs, that I was told were not even just strongly considering hitting the transfer, the, the, hitting the transfer portal, but were going to hit the portal. I, I was also told, however, that we were fighting to keep them, to fight to keep them in the fold. So maybe Kirby's worked his magic, and I have held out hope, and every day that passes without those guys entering their names in the transfer portal, I think is a win for the University of Georgia. So we have a couple days. We got we got to survive the next couple of days. It's Wednesday night right now, so we got Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we got about four days to survive, but I will say, like, if they haven't entered the portal yet, and I was told like a week and a half ago, I'm starting to feel better and better about them not, which is great. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think there's going to be a mass exodus from our team, like you saw at Colorado, which, by the way, Charlie, did you see that at Colorado? I've seen a little bit of it. I haven't seen enough to kind of like really dive into it, but it doesn't seem like it's going great. Well, 18 players in one day, Charlie, following their spring game, decided to hit the transfer portal. I did see that part. 18 players? 
That's insanity. That is absolute craziness. And I know they had to turn that roster over, but man, that's a lot of newness in one year. I don't, I don't know how that's going to work. We'll see. We'll see. I know there's a lot of people watching that very closely for different reasons. Some people want to see him succeed. Some want to see him fail. But whatever, whatever you're thinking about Dion, he's got your attention, right? That's kind of how he works. But we're not going to have an exodus like that. And some of the names that I thought were going to hit the portal, and we, we talked about this after G-Day. Curtis and I kind of speculated a little bit, but that was before I'd actually gotten like information like, hey, this guy is going to enter the portal. Um, one of the names I was I was thinking was going to enter the portal actually did, and that was Ryan Davis. He was, he was at the top of my list. I think he was at the top of Curtis's list because this is a guy that was, you know, he started a couple games for us when Smile Monden was out last year at inside linebacker. But then this spring, like he, you don't hear his name at all at G Day. He's not playing. He's not doing anything. It's like okay, well, this guy's gone. Like that's that's gonna happen. And that was just me speculating. I, no one told me that. I just kind of read between the lines there. But I, I just there's just a couple of names that I've heard. I'll say there's three. There's three. Three guys that I've heard that are gonna transfer, or at least we're we're planning on it. But they haven't yet. So I think that's a good sign. I think that's a good sign. All right. Our next question is from Two Pete Axe. He wants to know what, or she, wants to it's know, a it's a heat guy. I mean, I assume. You got to be careful these days. You know, most of our demographic. Uh, what weakness or weaknesses um, do you expect the team to improve upon in the coming season? He says that obviously teams change year to year, but we have 13 returning starters, um, an additional two starters from Mississippi State and Mizzou. Um, there will be some carryover. So what do you think we can pr- improve upon in the coming year? I, I, I definitely think we need to improve, um, at tight end. Yeah. Tight end. Definitely. Number one, like we, we, we are lo- absolutely lost there. I mean, transfer portal. Come on. We, we have to, like, we cannot recruit that position. Like at some point, are we just going to get rid of Todd Hartley? Like we got to get some players in here, but no, I mean, tight end, Charlie, Whew, that tight end room, baby. Let's go. All right. Two things here. It, it, and we're nitpicking here, guys. We're nitpicking because, hey, we are back-to-back national champions, and I think we should be the favorite to win a third consecutive national championship. But two things that I have had my eye on over the past couple of years, and really it's the last two years, but our pass rush and ex- explosivity in the run game. Our pass rush hasn't been bad. It just hasn't been as good as I think it could be. Now, part of that is schematic, okay? And just philosophically, how we approach. Like, our edge rushers, we traditionally have had them play run first and then rush the passer after that. Now, usually what we do is we're really strong on first and second down, stopping the run, we gear up to do that, and we get teams in third and long, and then we turn our guys loose rushing the passer on third down. So it's almost like we're really only rushing the passer like hardcore, what, 10 to 15 times a game? Like how many times do you get a team in, in third down situations? So I think that's certainly part of it. I also think that we have had trouble over the past couple of years of converting run defense to pass rush. And that's something that we can improve on. And that's just technique. And it's just coaching that up. I just don't think our coaches put as much of an emphasis on it. But if you look the past two years, again, we haven't been bad rushing the passer. We just have been like, okay, we've been fine. Like the past two years inside the SEC, we have finished exactly right in the middle of the pack. And I think I can expand this out and say not just pass rush, but just have a great disruption in general, just disruption of the opponent's backfield. Because last year, guys, we were in the middle of the pack, like seriously, and both sacks and tackles for loss. We were seventh in the league in sacks and tackles for loss. We were 89th in the nation in sack rate last year. That's okay. It's fine. It was good enough, right? Like we're still really good on defense. We won the national championship. But when you go up against teams like Ohio State, right, where you have elite quarterbacks you have to play, like if you're trying to win championships, you will come across teams like this. How do you really affect them? How do you stop them from going crazy on you like Bryce Young did in the 2021 SEC Championship? How do you stop them going crazy on you like C.J. Stroud did in the Peach Bowl last year? You make them uncomfortable. You get after them. Even if you don't sack them, you affect them. And we we do a good job. And Kirby's big on, hey, we just want to affect the quarterback. And I get that, but I don't feel like we affect the quarterback as much as we need to. So I think our defense, as good as it's been, can go to the next level, but I I, want to take one more step here, guys. It's not necessarily just pass rush. I think we do a really good job of scheming up pressure with our linebackers. We did an expert job of that in 2021 because those were our best pass rushers. Our coaches did a really good job of of adjusting our scheme to fit the talent on hand. 
But we need to get more from our edge rushers, from the jack position, from the five tech. Our five tech is not traditionally a pass rushing position for us, but when you have a guy like Michael Williams, it needs to become that. Which a guy like Trayvon Walker, it needed to become that. Last year, guys, only 12 of our 35 sacks, 34% of them, came from what I would classify as edge players, whether it's your five tech or your jack line, your jack linebackers. In 2021, 22 of our 49 sacks came from what I would classify as edge players. That's 44%. So both years, under 50% of our sacks have come from positions where, generally speaking, you put your best pass rushers. We have just really not gotten enough of a natural pass rush. And here's why I find that concerning. And again, like we've won national titles, we've had great defenses, so I'm just nitpicking here. But when you are reduced to having to try to pressure the quarterback by bringing linebackers, by bringing secondary defenders, that makes you vulnerable to getting beat in the pass game because you are taking guys out of coverage. And if you do some fire zone stuff and you blitz a linebacker and you drop one of your jacks or you drop a five tech guy into coverage, like, yeah, they can, they can sit in a zone and maybe they can somewhat defend a, a wheel route and man coverage. But those guys are not pass defenders by trade. Like they're competent at best. So I would love for us to see our defense take the next step and actually have some edge rushers that can disrupt the passer on the run. And we're recruiting to that when you bring guys like Damon Wilson and Samuel and Pimba into the program, Michael Williams. I think there's a really good chance that we can upgrade in that role. Jalen Walker, Marvin Jones Jr. But I need to see that. And I think that that's what we need to do. I think our coaches recognize that and that's why they're bringing these kind of guys into our program at the edge position. But that's the on defense what I would love to see. Now, offensively, again, nitpicking here, I want to go back to us having more explosiveness in the run game. It's another area where we haven't been bad in. I just want us to be better. We're Georgia. We need to be better than this. We were sixth in the SEC last year in rushes of 30 or more yards. And in fact, we were sixth in 2021 as well. We each of the last two seasons, 2021, 2022, these national championship seasons. So, hey, we won national titles, so it's not keeping us from that. But I want to win more of these. I think this could help. We had 11 plays, 11 rushing plays of 30 or more yards in each of the last two seasons. Guys, back in 2017, we had 22 in that one single year. We had twice as many as we had last year and twice as many as we had in 21. And, you know, I'm not a math guy. I make that clear. But 11 plus 11, I think that equals 22. So in 2017, what that means is we had the same number of 30 or more yard rushes as we had in the past two seasons combined. It hasn't been a disaster, but we can be better. We need to be better. Now, I know that we don't have Nick and Sony on the team. I understand that. But this is one area where I think, and like, I love Todd Munk. I think he's the best offense coordinator we've ever had. I do not really want to criticize the man. He was an absolute genius in the past game, scheming guys open. We saw that from year one in 2020, even though we had all those injuries and didn't work out the way we wanted to. We saw it right away. He was an absolute mastermind when it came to that, a mad scientist even. And it wasn't that he was deficient in his run game schemes. It's just, it was just not his strength. I do think Jim Chaney was better scheming up the run than than Todd Munkin was. And I think Mike Bobo, historically, traditionally, has been much better scheming up the run game than what Todd Munkin has. So I do think that we have a good chance of enhancing our explosiveness in the run game this year. Now, will we take a step back in the explosiveness in our pass game? Potentially. I do think we've added some more explosiveness in, in the weapons we have with Arian Smith, hopefully staying healthy, bringing in Dominic Lovett. But, you know, I, I will say Todd Munkin was a mastermind again in the, in the past game. Bobo, I think, is, is very underrated in the past game. He runs a lot of the same concepts that, that Munkin runs. Um, but it's hard to say he's on the same level in terms of pass concepts. But I do think he's a notch above in terms of the run game. So I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll see some more explosives in the run game this year. Again, we've won national titles without it. But I, I, I think that would certainly give us a boost to try to actually pull off that three-peat. All right, our last question for today comes from Sam. He says, with the Diamond Dogs sweeping Arkansas last weekend, is there any chance that the baseball team can make the tournament? Is there a certain number of SEC wins we would need? All right, Joe, so I know this is your area of expertise, so why don't you fill us in? What's baseball? Exactly. So I'll take this. Is that cool? Please do. All right, yeah, I figured that would be the case. All right, baseball guys. So um, I told you guys a couple weeks ago that I had about given up on this team because um, um, they were terrible. And the SEC, they had, what, at that point, they had one win in the SEC. 
and I was getting some questions, like, is it time to move on from Scott Strickland? And I told you guys at the time, I was like, man, like, I certainly think it's time to start entertaining that question, but I want to see it play out and see what happens, see because it's a long season. And so it's starting to play out, and uh, lo and behold, the team is 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 trying to make a run. So we took two out of three from Kentucky a couple weekends ago when they were a top 20 team. We just swept Arkansas at home, and Arkansas was a top five team, and we have now gotten ourselves to seven wins in the SEC with four SEC series left to play. We took two out of three from Georgia Tech earlier in the year. We beat Clemson in the midweek uh, last week, so we split that that season series with Clemson. So all of a sudden, after that sweep of Arkansas, it might not be so crazy after all to think that this Georgia baseball team can find its way into the postseason. Let me say this, guys. It would be an absolute travesty if this team does not make the postseason when you have two bats in your lineup, the caliber of Connor Tate and Charlie Condon. Charlie Condon might be the best hitter in the entire SEC. Like That dude is an absolute monster at the plate. And and Tate has just been a beast for us his entire career. I mean, he's been in the starting line, what, three years now? And even before he was a starter, he was a really good role player for us. But, he, I mean, he, he's freaking awesome. So if we don't make the turn with those two guys in the lineup, like, God, Jesus Christ. Man, that's just, mm, that's that's going to be tough to swallow. But the pitching has has been the problem. It's gotten better. Now we've had, like, Jaden Jaden Woods missed, missed a start with some arm soreness. And, like, that's concerning. I, I, I don't know what to think about that. We'll see how that kind of develops over the, over the coming weeks. But the pitching depth is the problem. That remains the problem. And that's why I still have serious concerns about this team making the postseason. But again, now all of a sudden, getting a seven wins, sweeping Arkansas, it's not crazy. It's absolutely not crazy. So what is the path for this team to get to the NCAA tournament? Like, what, what do we have to do? Well, number one, step one, we have to get to 500 in conference play at least, minimum. If we do not get into get to 500 in conference play, we have basically no chance to get into the NCAA tournament. Only 8% of teams that have gotten NCAA bids since 2013 have had losing records in conference. So we have got to get to at least 500. But that's, and it's in and of itself is not going to be enough. We're going to need more than that, almost certainly. But like that's step one. We've got to at least get to that point. RPI is also another thing here. So guys, since 2013, no Power 5 team with an RPI under 42 has made the NCAA tournament. Right now, we sit at 26. We were, I think, 18 after the sweep over Arkansas, but oh, what did we follow that up with? Yeah, cool, awesome, a home loss of Georgia freaking State yesterday, uh, which dropped us to 26, so that's cool. That really helps things. And what was the score again? 9-7, nine runs. Give up nine runs to Georgia freaking State, guys, and that's what I'm talking about. Pitching depth, midweek, we don't got it. We ain't got it, guys, and it's just, it's an adventure. Midweek, Sundays, always an adventure. But there is a there is a number we need to get to. If we get to 13 wins in conference, then we have a shot, about 25, I think, I forget the exact numbers at the top of my head, I think it's like 25% of the teams in the SEC that get to 13 wins get in, but if you get to 14, it's not quite a done deal, but it's pretty close, especially when you consider our strength of schedule, which is number two in the country right now, so 26 in the RPI, if we can stay right around there, number two strength of schedule, if we can get to 14 wins, I feel like we are a lock to get into the NCAA tournament, I, I really truly do believe that, the question becomes, can we get to 14? We're at seven now. We got four series left, which we got 12 games plus whatever comes in the SEC tournament. So I think we're going to need to probably get at least one in the SEC tournament. So let's say that we need to get six out of these last 12 SEC games. If we can win half of the games, half of our remaining SEC games, and that leaves us at 13, means we need to get at least one in the SEC tournament. I would love to get, you know, seven of the next 12 SEC games and not just six and just like end all doubt and then go into the SEC tournament feeling like, you know, we're in pretty good shape. But if we can just get to 13 entering the SEC tournament, I, I think that we can, I think we can hopefully get one. I think we can hopefully get one. So let's see how this has to work out. So our last four series are at Ole Miss, who is uh, the worst team in the league, at least record-wise. At Missouri, he started off hot. Now, they, now they've now they completely fallen off. They're like 5-12 and 12 or something like that in the SEC. Like they've got five SEC wins. I forget how many losses, but it's five SEC wins. They're not very good right now. Those are our two road series. So it's nice with the two road series to be against two of the worst teams in the league. That's great. But then we also have Tennessee at home and LSU at home. Guys, currently LSU is number one in the country. So, yay, cool. Tennessee started off pretty slow. They actually got swept by Missouri early in the season. 
but they are really coming on. They just swept Vanderbilt, who was number three in the country last weekend. So Tennessee is starting to get back to what they were last year. They're not quite as good as they were last year, but they're still really, really good. We have them at home. We have LSU at home. That's great. So I think we need to at least win two out of three at Ole Miss and at Missouri. We have to win both those series. I think we have to. And I know you say, oh, Ole Miss is not good. Missouri's not good. They're still on the road, guys. Road series in the SEC can be tough, especially at Ole Miss. That's that's a tough environment, even though they're not good. Like, fans show out there. It's a big deal for them. So that's going to be tough, but we need to get at least two out of three in both those series. And then we need to win at least one game in each of the Tennessee and LSU series at home and then follow it up with at least one win in the SEC tournament. That is still a difficult path. Like That's not going to be easy, but it's also doable. That's something that we can do, especially if we keep playing the way that we have been playing. We should have taken two out of three from Florida. We had that miraculous comeback. We lost the third game in the series 2-1. That's frustrating. We finally get a good pitching performance, which we haven't really gotten much of all year. And then the bats go silent, which... It's not been the case all year. So that was a frustrating loss there. We blew a game late against Auburn, blew a game late against South Carolina. God, it'd be great to have those games back, but it's not how this works. So we've got some work to do ahead of us, but I, I am, I'm starting to believe. I really am. I'm starting to believe. the. Uh, I was really believing after the sweep against Arkansas, but then, you know, the loss to Georgia State brought me back down to earth. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. Not, not, now I remember. Now I remember why I was frustrated with this team because this is what they do but we have a shot guys we we are not dead yet we are not dead yet we just got to keep playing like our backs are against the wall that's that's the only option because our backs are squarely against the wall but uh, all right charlie is uh is that it for today is that all we got that's it for today well charlie i have to say you know sometimes i get i get in trouble from our listeners for not being nice to you i i hope they understand it's all in good fun because we've known each other for a very very long time but i do just want to say thank you charlie for being here it's always it is it's truly awesome to have you back on here Maybe we'll have you back on um, in a month or so. I don't know what your schedule looks like. Just whenever you can grace us with your presence. Sounds good. All right, we'll make it happen. But all right, guys, that's all we've got for you here today on the Glory UGA podcast. Obviously, the NFL draft is this week, and we thought about doing a draft preview show, but it's like, well, what are we, what are we going to do? How, how are we going to preview this? You know who the guys are. We have no idea where they're going to go. All, we can we could take a bunch of mock drafts and and read off where they're predicting them to go. We can do that, but I know you've probably already done that. So we didn't want to do the draft preview, but we're not going to ignore the NFL draft. We're going to recap everything that happened, where all of our guys went what we think about the landing spots and and the fit and what kind of careers are going to have. So we'll have all that for you guys next week, but we really want to, we want to get to these mailbag questions. We've been holding on to some of these for quite a while, but we're not done. We got more mailbag questions to get to. And if you have some that you want to send in that you haven't yet, send them on in guys. If we need to make this three episodes, we'll make it three episodes. Hey, we got the off season. There's plenty of time, nothing but time, nothing but time guys. But all right. Thank you for being here for Charlie. I am Tyler. And as always go dog.